Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's message. Amen, amen. Good morning. How are you doing today? All right. Not so good, huh? All right. Hopefully you'll be better before the service is over. Hey, let me say thank you to uh, to Heath for uh, preaching last Sunday. Uh, Lynette and I had a a good time away. We went off and then uh, we came back to check on my mom and then we went back off again for a few days. Uh, 50% of the time it was raining, so we're grateful that the sun did come out and we got to enjoy that. 25 years, somebody told me this morning, 25, phew, try 43. And uh, Donna, we're praying for you, sweetie. I tell you what, wow, <laughs> we're praying for you. Amazing. We did have a good time, and uh, so thank you for your prayers and letting us get a little bit of time away, and it's good to see you this morning. Our theme over the last few weeks has been the windows of Christmas, and uh, I love what Joey said there with part of the narration, thinking through that window. Uh, I was thinking, uh, even last week, I listened to, to Heath's sermon on our podcast, and I started thinking about all the things I got over the years at Christmas time. Uh, and some of those gifts, as, as happened to you when you were a kid, are gifts that I got, and I was just like, Mom and Dad, what were you thinking? I don't want socks, you know, for Christmas, you know. And then occasionally, more often than not, actually, uh, I got some great gifts, and I was thinking about toys and trees and wreaths and snow and Santa Claus, and uh, my hope is for most of us in the room that would consider ourselves adults or soon to be adults, that our window of Christmas has matured and our perspective of Christmas has matured a little bit. And uh, like you, I used to really anticipate the getting, the receiving. And there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, because it's about receiving God's love, as we're going to talk about in just a minute. But there's also something great about, uh, about giving. Uh, I was also reminded this week, and I haven't uh, shared this over the last couple of years being here with you, uh, but I was reminded this week uh, while I was away about something that I've known for quite a while, actually. Uh, and that is uh, that I have a disease. And while Annette and I were away this week, it was confirmed again. That's one of the reasons that we were away. And uh, this disease that I have, if left untreated, is fatal. And before you freak out, you have the same disease. It's called the disease of sin. I know some of you are already, already emotionally, you, you went there, right? You are already emotionally were thinking, oh no, what's going to Some of you have already texted your neighbor. Please text them back and tell them I'm okay, I'm okay. But for those of you whose emotions changed, and maybe your heartbeat changed a little bit, I want you to remember that feeling. Because we're going to talk about this morning, and we've already sung about it, the greatest gift that we could ever receive. 
And it's the gift of God's Son, Jesus. The baby that was born in a manger, it, it's a great Christmas picture. And the nativity's great. But we look at that picture and sometimes in our awe of the innocence of Mary and Joseph and that Christ child, we, in our awe, maybe sometimes are so awestruck that we forget the power and the significance of that event. That that little baby didn't just stay a baby. He didn't just get on his parents' nerves, and he did, by the way. We know of one account in the Bible where that's recorded, where he goes off on his own, and mom and dad go looking for him, like it's probably happened to your child in the department store. Where were you? You know, and you're just doing this to him. And if they were like me, I used to go into the belks and hide inside the clothes rack. Because you couldn't be found. And you'd sit down and play games and stuff. And I could hear my mom shouting, where are you? And I'd just kind of sit there and smile until she found me. And then there was utter regret that I did not call out the first time she had called my name. But that baby that was in the manger that most of the world has forgotten about the power of that baby. Holds in that life the real significance, the real meaning of Christmas. And we actually said the verse together this morning, and so if you've got your Bible and you want to turn to the book of John, it's perhaps the most well-known scripture in all the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, one of my most favorite verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world, verse 17 says, to condemn the world, but that through Him the world would be saved. You know, I was thinking about this week as I had a little bit of time to get away and study that that is the significance of Jesus. There are a lot of other things that Jesus brings to the table and He brings to our lives like peace and comfort and guidance, and many of us need those things during this holiday season. Maybe your Christmas is going to look a little bit different than Christmas past. I understand. And all those other things that the Christ child brings to us, like peace and comfort and joy, are wonderful. But the most significant thing that Jesus brings to us is salvation. That's why God sent His only Son. It's pretty clear in that scripture. You look in our world, though, and man, you, you see, and even in the church, you see a lot of distractions and, and uh, disappointment and, and maybe even a lot of grumbling, believe it or not. Not Crossroads, right? Other churches. But I see grumbling happening in the world and in some churches, and I think, have we forgotten really what this season, really what our lives are supposed to be about, and that is about the message of Jesus. You see, we're not alone. I don't get discouraged at the grumbling and things I see in the world because there was a group of people way back a long time ago that also had been blessed tremendously by God and they were guided and they were led out of Egypt. And they got to a point, even through the promises and the deliverance of God and the provision of God, they started to complain. And I look at what's happening in our world and I'm thinking, wow, those pictures are not too awfully different. You say, what makes you even think about that? Well, you have to back up a few verses. And if you read verse 14 of John chapter 3, you find something very interesting. It says this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
And here's the reason he came again, just in case we miss it. John says it several times, verse 15, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The grumbling that we see in our world, something like that kind of happened when the Israelites came out of Egypt. If you remember, they had escaped slavery. They had come so far as to the uh, eastern border of the promised land, uh, to the desert east of the Dead Sea, and they were almost there. They were almost there, and the Lord had been feeding them uh, everything that they needed day by day with bread from heaven. They were almost there, and they started to grumble. Maybe you need a reminder. I needed a reminder this week, so if you do, flip back to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. You say, this is kind of a, a weird story for Christmas. Well, hang with me because I think it's dead center of what Christmas is all about. Because here's what we read in Numbers chapter 21, starting with verse 4. They, the Israelites, set out from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food. There's no water. And we loathe this miserable food. Wah, wah, wah. I have a friend of mine that when he hears me grumble, he'll say, Why don't you just call the wambulance? Just call the wambulance because you're just grumbling and complaining. That's what they were doing. And the Lord, verse 6, sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many, of, many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, Hey, we've sinned because we've spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove these serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made this bronze serpent, and he set it on a standard to ride. And it came about that if the serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he would live. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, John tells us, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. Now, I want you to picture that story. You know me by now that when I read something like that, I have to think through every sense what was happening as the people were out there in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, here comes these snakes, these serpents who are biting people. Can you imagine? Can you visualize what's going on? I mean, it's probably chaos. Oh, you know, they're jumping around. What, what bit me? They're going, they're going crazy. And then they start to die. Now, if you do research, and I did because I try to be prepared when I stand up here in front of you. If you do research, you'll find out that these serpents were very native to that area of the world and in that part of the world where the desert was. They actually probably were vipers. And medical scholars and archaeologists and biblical scholars who have researched this have found out they probably were the kind of vipers that lived there, that once you got bit, it was very painful, but then it was a very slow, agonizing death where you would start bleeding internally, perhaps maybe even bleeding from your mouth, and then you would start getting weak, and you could physically feel the symptoms of your, your bite happening, and the next thing you know, you would pass out on the ground. So picture this happening. I mean, people just, the, the closest analogy I can come up with, which is not even close, I remember in high school, I was on choir tour. We were in a prison. We were outside in a prison yard, and we were singing, and it had to be 185 degrees. It was so hot. 
And we were standing up there singing, and we were, we were swaying, not because we were swaying in sync to the music, but you could visibly see, they said you could visibly see some of the adults that were watching us, people just because of the heat, they were swaying. And one by one, you'd start seeing people, boom, boom. But they were passing out because of the heat. And finally, our team realized it's way too hot to be trying to pull this off out here. Because they were just dropping. Visibly, I don't know what was happening visibly in this story where the people start falling and they're getting bit. But here's a few things that I know that I want to share with you this morning. The truth of this story that we can find. The truth of John 3.16. Here's a few things that we know. Here's the first one. Trouble is sometimes sent by the Lord. Now, I read this story, and I've read it a lot of times. And I started to think as I'm reading this story, well, okay, why would God do that? Why would God send something like that? Maybe it was just bad luck. God wouldn't do that. Well, if you read throughout the whole scriptures, read, read the Old and New Testament, you'll find out that oftentimes actually God did send or God did allow. And if you look back in, the, in Numbers, Numbers chapter 4, or chapter 21, verses 4 and 5 and following, It says in verse 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. You might say, well, the devil sent him. No, the Bible is pretty clear. The Lord sent these poisonous snakes. I look at what's happening in our world. I look at what we've been through the last 18 months. I'm not going to get political. I have no idea. I'm just throwing out some ideas to you. But maybe what we've been going through that some of us, including myself, sometimes grumble about, maybe it's sent by God. Maybe it's sent by God like these serpents to cause people, like in the book of Numbers with Moses, to cause people to turn their attention back to Jesus. Now, don't miss the point. Can God send trouble into your life? Sure. Does God send every sorrow or trouble into your life? No. Not all sorrows come from God. We find that out later in John chapter 3. Some are sent by God, but not all troubles are sent by God. John said this in... in, uh, Jesus said this in John chapter 3 earlier when he's having this conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is asking him questions. How are these things happening? How could this be? So we know God doesn't send every suffering and tribulation. But we also know that Jesus himself said, hey, you're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You are going to have trouble. And he was talking to his disciples and his followers. You're going to have trouble. So sometimes those troubles come. And maybe you feel like, Right now, the life that you're in the midst of, that your life is full of a lot of snakes and serpents. Maybe you're asking, hey, has God sent these troubles into my life? Trouble sometimes is sent by the Lord. But here's here's the other thing that I recognize from this story. The second thing is, you and I need to receive God's gift. Because we've got to be saved. And the great thing is, in this story, in John chapter 3, as well as the book of Numbers, where Moses is... In this story here, he says, like the Israelites in the desert, we've all been bitten by a snake in modern day 2021. And the snake that you and I have been bitten by is a much, I would say, more lethal snake than even that snake in Numbers. Because it's a snake not just about physical death, but about spiritual death. It's called sin. And every single person that's in here, no matter how much good we think we have done have all allowed the venom of sin to kill us and to poison us. And that sin that's in our life will lead to death. As a matter of fact, God's word is pretty clear. It says the wages of sin is death. 
no minced words about that. The wages of sin, what we earn from our sin is death. It's almost like this. If you were working somewhere and you worked all week, and at the end of the work week you expected your employee to bring you the paycheck, and he didn't show up with a paycheck, you would say, I've been working all week. I deserve what I have earned. Give me what I earn. Give me what you owe me. And what we are owed, dear friends, because of our sin is death. The joy and peace and comfort in life and all the good things that we have that come from God, and we know every good and perfect gift only comes from Him, those aren't because we deserve those. Those are because God is good. And so the sin that we have in our lives, to overcome that sin, just like the Israelites had to, we have to look to God. Now they had to look at the bronze snake that was held up on a rod. You may know this if you're a medical professional, but that, that s- staff with the serpent on it is actually what we use in the medical profession to indicate physicians and medicine. Isn't it interesting? Maybe some people in the medical field don't even know when they put that stamp on a piece of documentation or something. They're actually pulling back from the Old Testament, something that Moses did when he held that serpent that was up on the stick and people would look at it. Otherwise, they would come to a painful death. You need to receive God's gift or you die. No need to mince words, that's what happens. Can you imagine, put yourself back in the story where the serpents are there and Moses and the people are there and they're getting bit. Now, we know that there was not just, you know, a couple hundred people following Moses. There were hundreds of thousands of people, potentially millions of people following Moses. Can you imagine the crowds of people and you're seeing people get bit and they're falling out and you're wondering what's going on and then Moses comes out and says, Behold! And he holds up the rod with the snake and says to them, all you have to do is look into the snake and you'll be healed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've been bit by a poisonous snake, my reaction is not going to be, okay, I'll look over there a little bit. It's not going to be casual. If I see a friend of mine, if I've already looked at the snake and I'm like, whew, I'm getting my breath back, oh, the blood's drying up. Oh, oh, here's a friend. I'm going to run to that friend and go, look, look, look. I know. I know I'm a little loud this morning. Put yourself in the scene. Who wouldn't do that? If this church building caught on fire and there was one person left in here and you saw them and you had an opportunity to grab them and pick them up and get them out of this church building, there's not a person in here that would not do that. I know your heart's full enough to know there is not one single individual in here that wouldn't do it. You would find the strength within you, the supernatural strength all of a sudden would, would rise up in you and you would grab that person and you would do whatever you could. It's the same thing. It's the same thing happening in this story. People are falling out. Boom, boom, boom. They're dropping down. They're dying. They're dying. And Moses comes out and says, look to this, just look and you'll be saved. I can't, I can't fathom or picture what may have been happening. But I'm imagining in a crowd of people, they were people who had not looked yet may have been going, get out of the way, get out, ah, I see, oh, I see it, I see it, I see it. We need to be saved. That's the story of Christmas. That's why God, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes, whosoever looks to Jesus will be saved. 
Here's the third thing I see from this story. The third thing is this. Anybody can receive the gift. Anybody. If you go back and you look in the story from Numbers, as a matter of fact, he says it this way. Moses says to them, hey, verse 8, make the serpent. I'm going to put it on a rod. God says to Moses, and God said, everyone who has bitten, everyone, when they look at it, they shall live. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever is anybody. The poorest person in the world, the richest person in the world. The one who thinks they are worthless and the one who thinks they've never committed a sin. Every person, no matter how young, no matter how old, Republican, Democrat, Independent, it doesn't matter. Anybody who looks to Jesus will be saved. Anybody can receive this gift. It's amazing, not just for men, not just for women. Not just for white people, not just for black people. Anyone who looks whosoever. Man, I love that. When I think about that and I think about what was happening in this, in this story with Moses and seeing people who were falling out, I can't help but believe for those who had already looked and who already knew, wow, I'm saved, I'm saved, I've already looked at the serpent on the right. I would be grabbing people and dragging them and saying, look, 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 look. But I'm more concerned with what's under the Christmas tree in the gift box. I'm more concerned with being politically correct. Because I don't want to offend anybody with the truth. Because we all have our own truth. It's a mistake, by the way, to give me a couple weeks vacation. Because I come back with guns a-blazing. Because I'm convicted. The world out there, and maybe, I hope not, but maybe some of us in here. If the heartbeat that's beating inside of you quit right now and you were to die, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. And forgive us if that's you. Because a lot of us in the church have made this very complicated, and it's not complicated, but we have made it complicated. Yes, you follow Jesus, but... We also want to see some measure of maturity in your life before you can do this or that. Or yes, you can follow Jesus and we can bring you into the fold, but you've got to do this, this, and this. I'm grateful to serve here at a church if that's not the case, but that's the case in a lot of churches. So the last thing that I see in the scripture is this. It's easy to receive Jesus. Very simple. It's a free gift. It wasn't an inexpensive, cheap gift. It was the very blood of Jesus who grew up to be a man who died on the cross. So it wasn't cheap, but it is free. And it is simple. You say, how, how simple is it? Well, it's easy to be saved. It's the same way Moses said to the people, that the Israelites, just look. The same way you and I have to look to the person of Jesus. What he did as he grew up to be a a man and he gave his life on the cross that we look to the cross and we look to the resurrection and we realize because of Jesus as we look to him we will be saved. That's when our true healing begins. That's when the the poison of sin starts to grow weaker and the desire for holiness and righteousness starts to grow stronger is when we surrender everything and we look to Jesus and we say, I need you. 
And the interesting thing, and I don't know how this played out, I wasn't there. But I, I can't look for you, and your neighbor can't look for you. I can do everything I can to pull you and to lead you and to take you to Jesus. But it's like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. See, my mom and dad looked to Jesus early on, but their looking to Jesus didn't change me. I had to become of a certain age that I decided, okay, I'm going to look to Jesus, and I'm going to realize that the sin in my life will prevent me from spending eternity with him and prevent me from living forever. I was watching, this has been some time ago, a couple of magicians, illusionists, on television, you may have heard of these guys, Penn and Teller. And I got interested in kind of what one of them said during the show, and I started kind of Googling and YouTube and looking for some things, and I found this video from Penn, one of the magicians, and the guy who's interviewing him somehow starts to ask him about faith and starts to ask him about religion. By the way, I'm not a fan of religion. Religion will kill you. It's only relationship with Jesus that will set you free. And so Penn started to answer this interviewer's questions. And one of the questions that he said to you, well, you're, you're not a, a follower of Jesus. You know, why would you not be a follower of Jesus? Here was his answer. He basically said, I've seen a lot of people who say they're followers of Jesus. And so far, none of them has ever taken the moment to share Jesus with me. He said, my interpretation basically of that is, how much do you have to, if you really believe, and my question to you this morning is, do we really believe? He said, if you really believe that Jesus is the way, and I have to look to him to have eternal life, if you really believe that with your heart of hearts, but you're not willing to share that with me, knowing that I don't know, he said, here's my question, how much do you have to hate me? To not tell me the truth if that's what you say the truth is. And I'm watching this YouTube video and I start to weep like a baby. (laughs) Because the world has pressured us to think that as believers, they don't really care about our message of hope and truth. And I know it looks that way. And maybe on the exterior that is somewhat true. But if I was about to die in a burning building... And you had the capability to come in and pull me out and you didn't. I would hate you for the few moments of life that I had left if I saw you just kind of out there. How you doing? Hot in there, ain't it? Looking kind of toasty like a burnt marshmallow. It's easy to receive the gift of God. As Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness... For everyone to see. And said, all you've got to do is look. Dear friend, I've got to ask you that question this morning. Have you done that? I'm not talking about joining a church, filling out a card, becoming a member of a group. I'm just talking about looking to Jesus and saying, I need you. Because if you leave it up to me by myself, I'm in trouble. And I need you. Because if I'm going to have a shot at spending eternity... And an opportunity to have eternal life, then Lord, I look to you. And you may be here this morning thinking, "Well, I got man, I got 
that sounds good, but I got so many questions. I got so many questions. Can I just tell you something? I got a lot of questions. Just because I'm up here and you're out there doesn't mean I don't have a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions. A lot of questions. But asking the questions or having the questions doesn't mean I don't move forward in faith. And part of the story as you follow the Old Testament through with these same Israelites who were grumbling is they finally get to a point where they're about to cross the sea and they're still wondering, what do I do, what do I do? And finally, thankfully, a leader steps up and puts his foot at the edge of the water and as soon as he does, the water goes and opens up. And maybe in your life, at least the experience has been in my life, a lot of times the answers to my questions don't come until I step out in faith and say, God, I don't even know the answer, but I'm going to trust what you say is true, and I'm going to step out. And boom, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well. That's how we're supposed to live our life. So this morning, I want to invite you this morning to receive the cure to your disease. The same disease that I have. That if left untreated, is fatal. Not just physically fatal, but spiritually fatal. And that baby that was in a manger grew up become a man and gave his life on the cross for your sin and for my sin that all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and we'll be saved to look to Jesus and we'll be saved do you know him? are you uh, celebrating the real reason for the season the Christ of Christmas the Savior of the world? Who died on that old rugged cross, but three days later he was resurrected and he's alive. It's an old song that says, ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Maybe this morning you need to experience the Christ of Christmas. Maybe you find yourself here and you've been wondering what following Jesus is all about. It's just looking to him can't physically see him like we physically see each other but it's pretty much the same way i mean we just we physically trust that he's there we put our trust in him we look to him and we say jesus guide me maybe for some of us this morning has been a reminder at least in this preacher's life a reminder this week that i have the greatest gift on the planet at my disposal to give to somebody else what is my problem I can give you material things, and those are great, but they don't compare to the greatest gift I could give you, and that is to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray right now. God, would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, I pray for maybe some friends in this room today who don't know the reality of who Jesus is. Lord, it's just a relationship. It's so simple. Forgive us for making it so complicated. It's just looking to Jesus. It's just calling on the name of the Lord. This morning as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're just praying there in your seat for just a moment, I would just ask you the question, do you really know Jesus? Have you 
surrendered your life to him or you look into him, do you need to be saved? This morning, if you just say, you know what, I, I need to know him. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you just say this morning, I need to know Christ. I need to know Jesus. Could you just slip up your hand just so I can pray for you in just a second? Anybody in this place this morning just say, I, I need to know Jesus. No need to be ashamed. You're in a safe, safe place today. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I've been reminded that I do have the greatest gift on the planet that I need to share with the world. If you are in just a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. And I'll be down here. My friend Heath will be here. If you want to come down front and just say, hey, pray for me, we'd love to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to plant my roots here at Crossroads. I've really come to love this church and love the people. And I want, to, I want to put my spiritual roots here. I want to grow up here. That's great. You're welcome to come down at the invitation as well. Just take one of us by the hand and let us know that's the desire of your heart. And this morning, if you need to recommit your life to Christ, what a, what a no better time than this season of Christmas to say, yes, Jesus, I fully commit to, to follow you and to surrender to you. Lord, would you have your way during this invitation time? Pray that you would be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me? Joey's going to lead us in a song of invitation, and you respond as the Lord leads you today. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.